Yeah, you know, one of the things um, that we've been getting a lot of requests for our groups from the 80s, the 90s, because, you know, you, you must have seen Pastor Mike and, and we've grown so much. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I moved, I'm, I'm from the UK, well, I was born in the UK, but I moved to Nigeria in the 80s. Okay. And I remember when Troop came out, what we, wow. when, what I found out, what we thought was Troop were dancers who could sing because we were yeah. more impressed by the how well you guys could dance and then the fact that you could sing. But before we get into all that, we always like to go from the beginning and we want to start from yourself. So where were you sort of sure. born and raised? Uh, actually, born born in uh, the city of Orange County, um, uh, California. Was raised here in the city of Pasadena. Okay. Pretty much grew up here all of my life. Um, and, you know, did a lot of singing with my family. Uh, we sang in church all the time and sang with our mom, you know, my brother, my two sisters. So that's that's where the music started, you know, started with my family. Uh, even though mom always allowed us to give a list of R&B, we were only doing gospel. That's all we did. Growing up in that, uh, back in, in, in those days, and I think most people that we know that come into the music industry come from the East Coast and, and the South, yeah. but... But being in, 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 in California, was it just singing as part of your sort of weekly routine? Did you ever, at that time, what was it? It, it, was, it was daily. Because, uh, you know, as a family, we rehearsed pretty much wow. whenever mom called on us, which was every day. Uh, we, um, um, what did we do? We, uh. We just sang every day as a family um, and rehearsed. It was like a daily ritual. I mean, we would be outside every now and then trying to play sports, me and my brother, whatever. Yeah. There, were, there, were, there were people I remember that we could play sports with. I used to remember like balls, like we could be playing football or kickball or something like that. A ball would pause in the air because they knew that we had to go inside and start rehearsing with moms. Oh. Yeah, it was deep. The rehearsal was. What was your mom getting you prepared for? Was it to sing in church on a Sunday, or what was it? Yeah, the... every Sunday, every okay. Sunday. Okay. We, we were singing in church every Sunday. It, it just sun up to sundown. Um, uh, morning, morning service, Sunday service, evening service, uh, afternoon service. I mean, we were just you know pretty much church, you know, all day on Sunday, pretty much. Now, as and we a... traveled to and. We, we, we sang at all the churches here in the city of Pasadena and yeah. Los Angeles. I mean, just, just all over the place as a family, you know, when I was a kid growing up. Now, as a child, did you enjoy doing that or did it become, what, did you, what, after no. a while? Okay. okay. <laughs> no. okay. Uh, it, you know, it, it's something that, you know, that you were made to do because she used to make us sing, you know, so singing was just not the thing that I wanted to choose for my life. I wanted to be a basketball player. I'm oh, laughing okay. at my height. I know that I'm five foot six, and I'm going to keep my five foot six and a half. <laughs> and a really good jump shot. Uh, I, you know, I still shoot every, you know, every now and then. And uh, but you know, uh, as life, you know, progressed, you know, I ran into a friend of mine, which we were both, you know, big time Michael Jackson lovers, and he. Uh, I'm speaking of Steve Russell. He he was a great uh, 
incredible Michael Jackson dancer, oh. but I never knew that he had the voice to be able to sing. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. We, we just had, a, it was just us, a whole bunch of kids from the Boys and Girls Club, and we would go ahead and do thrillers and beat it. Then he would go ahead and do Jilly, you know, and do Billy Jane, and then he would just go ahead and turn it out. So, I mean, he was really good at that. And so I admired him for that and what he was doing and how good he was as a dancer, as you know, as doing Michael Jackson. You know, he was awesome. So, but 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 by this time though, um, you're still singing on on the weekends. Yeah, Isaiah yeah. Thomas was probably, you know, was he six foot? I don't know, but he, you know, he he was he was a little man in the NBA. But yeah, you, you were still hope having hopes to play basketball, or was it like? Well, I think it it all changed once, um, for me when I ran into Steve, uh. And it was just the chemistry that we had at dance, as, as being dancers. But at, still, at that time, I didn't know that he could sing, you know. Okay. And not, and not, it was, I think he had just turned 13 or 14 years old. And his mom got, got him, like, this chocolate cake, got him uh, the Michael Jackson black and silver beaded jacket, <laughs> and, uh, got it and gave him uh, a chocolate cake and a $20 bill. I remember, like, it happened yesterday. Wow. And he was on the phone with, uh, with, with the girl and he was singing a Michael Jackson song. He was singing Lady of My Life. Oh my and God. I was like, whoa. I said, man, you can really sing. He said, I can. I said, yeah. I said, Steve, you can blow. I said, man, quiet is kept. I said, I, I sing too, but I don't tell people. You know, uh, you know, my, my thing is basketball, you know, because that's what I was doing Tuesdays and Thursdays at the Boys and Girls Club. And then on Saturdays, for the all-star team for the boys, you know, for the boys girls basketball team. And so I, 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 at one point, I think I was playing on, before I, I hooked up with Steve, at that time I played on about maybe four different basketball teams at one time, wow. trying to run away from singing. You know? <laughs> like, like, you know, even the youth pastor would have a meeting with my mom and was trying to get me to stay home more so I can be able to go ahead and sing more with the family and everything. But I was really getting serious about basketball at that time. Okay. So when I met Steve and found out that he could sing, it was just how ironic that God used him to pull me back into really doing what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, as a singer. So, yeah, um, yeah it was pretty cool. Because at that time, were you considering going to college to play basketball? I thought about it. Um, my church, I believe, in the year of 87, and, and I had just graduated from high school at that time. Our church that I was going, that we were going to at that time, we traveled to Louisiana, and I played basketball um, with this basketball team at from Delgado College in Louisiana. I wanted to play ball with them and actually got a chance to talk to their coach. He liked, he liked the game that I was playing, and he wanted to know you know, if I still wanted to go ahead and play ball, you know, and go to college and play ball. And, but we had signed contracts uh, with Atlantic in 86, but we couldn't come out with the record yet because Steve and myself, we had to graduate from high school first. Our parents didn't play that. So we had to, we had to graduate first. So, but as that whole entire year had came about, Troop wasn't doing any studio time and that like that. And so I made a call back to the guys that the know. I was like, hey, man, we haven't started anything yet with this record. I know we have this deal and everything. It's fine, but we're not doing anything. I said, man, my brain is still fresh. I can go to college. Not, you know, who knows? And then who knows what happens, what could happen for me as a basketball player? 
And so they told me, they said, well, when you guys come home, you know, from, from the church tour, uh, it's time to go ahead and start the record. Um, pretty much oh, that's okay. So now you yeah. kind of jumped a little bit then because I didn't realize that you were still in high school when you signed with Atlantic. So how did that? Uh, yeah, yeah. So how did, so you and Steve, uh, you, mm-hmm. you learned that he could sing and, 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 and dance. Uh, that happened. That, in eight, that, ha- that happened during the Thriller days, uh, Michael Jackson Thriller days, like during '82. Eight. Um, me hanging out with Steve, not knowing that he could sing at that time. But what about the dancing part? Because you mentioned the dancing part. Well, yeah. Well, because he was a great dancer already. He was a great dancer, and you know, I was one of his dancers as he would do Thriller and beat it. Oh. And then he would go ahead and do Billy Jean after that, and he would just tear the place down. Wow. Did, is yeah. that how you started to learn how to dance? Uh, yes and no. Um, I was kind of like also to like like a pop locker from the city. I used to be with this crew called the Ice Cold Crew. These guys, they were like extras in the movie Breaking and Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, I used to dance around. With, yes, I used to dance around with those guys all the time. Wow. Ice Cold Crew, Spanky and Jeff. And, and they were really good uh, dancers, and they, they were both in um, in the movie Breaking and Electric Boogaloo. And so I used to be a part of their crew. You see, that's that's okay. This probably explains why we all thought, as I said, when I was in Nigeria, that you guys were dancers who could yeah. sing, as opposed to oh, yeah. singers who, who could. Yeah. Everybody in the group that who auditioned, that, that was the thing that you had to do. You had to be able to dance, and you had to be able to sing. Yeah, but then how did yeah. then? So you and Steve together, you were singing, you and you had the talent show. How did the idea come to 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 to, to perform through then? Well, um, the whole story is is pretty much basically on a mother's prayer for her son to be on stage with four of his friends, and those two guys at that time had to be Rodney and Reggie, and they had three other guys to perform with them in the television show called Putting on the Hits. Well, all of that time that Rodney and Reggie were doing their thing, Steve and myself, we were doing our thing, but we actually knew each other because we were going to the same school. Oh. And so at that time, the group was already chosen to go on the television show Putting on the Hits, and they did the television show, and they won. And a producer had called the show, wanted to know if the guys could really sing because he liked to dance. So just like you said, it was always about the dancing, you know, they love the dancing. Yeah. So uh, he got in contact with the show. They put him in contact with Rodney's mother. At that time, um, something was going on with the other members where they weren't able to be a part of the group. And just at that time, it was myself, Steve, Rodney, Reggie, and a guy named Shane. And we tried out for that guy, Greg Perret. Greg Perret is a producer. He was on the Jackson's Victory Tour. Wow. Uh, he's also he also played with Tito on the song Timeless from the one on the Tribe album of the Jacksons. Um, so, and, so yeah, he was a really good producer. And he teamed us up with another producer by the name of uh uh wow, Michael Henderson. Michael Henderson, yeah, big time songwriter producer, been around all over. Uh, he did a song on us and we did it in a, a showcase for AM Records. We were kind of still wet behind the ears, so we didn't get that situation. And at the time, one of the guys 
in the group kind of like the guy I was talking about earlier, Shane, he got impatient about everything. So he stopped coming around. And that's how we were able to get Alan. But this, but uh, but but Greg, uh, he decided that he didn't, you know, something happened within his family to where he had to be taken away to, to try to keep working with us. So he turned us over to David Cook and Steve Cohen. And we auditioned for them and they got us to deal with Atlanta Records. Now at this time, had you had the you got Alan involved, did you guys have mm -hmm. a sense of direction among yourselves or you you yeah. Honest? yeah, our sense of direction was to be some incredible performers. A guy that a, a guys a, a group of guys that could sing a cappella, uh, that could dance and is and, and that could sing, you know, just do harmony and put all three of those together and, and just make a one, you know, pack power group. But then at, at this time, when you're still in high school, were you guys performing yeah. in talent shows in schools or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, until our, our deal was signed in 86. So the people that were, that were doing talent shows at that time, since we had our deal, they would call us professionals, so we couldn't be uh, able to uh, compete. compete yeah. But they would let us come to perform, so we okay. would do that. Now, yeah. what, what was your mother's? Because you know, here you are, you've been had this strict routine of singing in church every Sunday. Now you've told her that you know you're about somebody wants to offer you a record deal and being in a group. How did they respond? Well, um. I know that that's what my mother wanted me to do as far as I could be with the family, but the family began to go in different ways and, and, and begin to separate, simply because they were getting older and they wanted their own families to live their own lives. Yeah. So um, I just kind of like basically kept singing, whether I would be with mom most of the time at church or I was with the group. So she pretty much accepted it. Um, because she saw that it was a mother that was involved, that was actually, you know, in control of the group and putting the group together and everything. So, yes, uh, it took a little minute, but, you know, she accepted it. Yeah. But then, so who, was Reggie's mom your first manager? Uh, uh, Rodney's. Rodney was her, um, her, his, his, mom. his mom. So yeah. she was your first manager? Yeah. Okay. Now, did she know anything about the industry at that time or? What, what, what she knew at the time is she she just could only take it as far as she could, which was, you know, us doing talent shows and, oh. and, and being able, you know, the, the other stuff that came about, she had to turn over. Okay. As far as like for us to be able to be a part of the business of the music yeah. industry. So yeah. she turned that part over to David Cook and Steve Cohen. Okay. She trusted them. They trusted her. And... They, they did pretty good with this, you know, okay. especially our first two albums. Yeah. Now, at the time you guys came out now, the Jacksons have stopped performing. So just Michael, although he came back with the, for the Victory Tour, and then we yeah. had a young new edition. Did you, so that there weren't many, and, and then prior to that, we had The temptation. So here you guys are, five-piece group. Who, who were you modeling yourselves after at those early it's, days? Well, it was always, 
between the temptations to Jackson's and new edition. And and yeah. but, so and I can understand the temptations and the Jacksons because yeah. they, they 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 were translators. But new edition, you know, they're around your same age, and and they did they did come out with an album a little bit earlier while they're probably in in, in middle school. So, but yeah. did were you were you in those very early days compared to this is a new version of a new edition, a, a West Coast version, or was that ever? Absolutely. How, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Absolutely. how did it feel for you guys to be said when we're, we're modeling you after New Edition? Did you feel now we're, we're a different group, or what, what was it like for you guys? We we knew that we were a little bit different, but we actually followed, you know, we tried to follow the path that they were on, um, uh, meaning having really really good songs. The choice of songs and the choice of the singles that were released, yeah. and and the choice of production that we decided to use with you know with Joe Levert and Eddie Levert Senior and Chucky Booker and uh, we just wanted to make sure that the material that we were using, we wanted to be able to not to compete with everybody else, but just just make sure that we were on the same wavelength as just doing good music. Yeah, so. Here you are now, you know, five young kids, you know, being put together, you know, the name, where did it come from? Well, it, it came from a television show uh, series called F Truth. And so Steve, you know, he's, you know, we, we talked one day and, and, and mind you, Mama Sita was coming out, our first single was coming out within 72 hours and so we didn't have a name yet oh and because the name that we kept you know names we, that we had the label you know they, they didn't want to get with none of the names that we you know given them and so because of this uh this dance that's actually called the truth coming from this dance group um that i used to dance with all the dramatics we did a lot of street dances and stuff like that that we made up and I, and I brought some of those same dances to the group. Um, and it just kind of basically fit on what was going on with choreography. Mm. And it kind of fit with basically what like our style was. And Steve said, let's just, you know, let's just be true. And it worked. And, you know, called the label, told the label, okay, we want to stick with this group, this name called Truth. And they said, fine. <laughs> and I guess they said fine because they had like, you know, pretty much, 24 to 48 hours to go ahead to release that first single. Wow. Goodness yeah. gracious. Yeah. So, the, the recording part then, how, you know, because if you've never been in a studio, what was it like being in a studio and having to learn how to record a song? It was, uh, it was a lot of fun because, well, before working with Gerald LeVert and Eddie LeVert and Chuck and them, we worked with a guy named Ran and Jan. We worked with two guys named Ran and Jan. We worked with uh, uh, Zach Harmon. And we did tons of demos okay. uh, with those guys. And so that kind of gave us our start at learning how to record vocals and, okay. and making sure that everything was right. And then that also, too, at the, at the time, Alan was actually writing original songs. So when Alan was writing songs that kind of like gave us 
uh, our thing to be able to say to ourselves that we can go ahead and do this as a group versus yeah. always doing a bunch of new edition songs, what have you, for some bees or whatever. Because we used yeah. to sing those songs and talent shows all the time, mainly yeah. new edition. But um, we used to always sing their songs. And then once Alan had joined the group, Alan, Alan started coming with just writing different songs and melodies. And, and that kind of gave us the brainstorm of being able to go into the studio and start recording our own stuff. And they were quick to see form with the guys for that to get us in contact with those producers, uh, Zach Harmon and, and Rand and Jan. And then we just grew from there. We got our deal with Atlantic and then Atlantic had put us in contact with Gerald and Chucky. Oh, so we, we kind of basically already had the uh, the know of, of what to do before we got there. Yeah. Your first single, Mamacita, so as I said, did you know how big the song was? Because I was in Nigeria, so I don't know if you guys were aware that across the Atlantic in, in Nigeria and in Africa and across that you guys had a song that it's been, it's a hit. But do you guys realize how big the song was at that time? Well, to be honest, you know, you always test, uh, you always test your stuff on people. And um, at the time, I was an extra in this movie called Coming to America. Okay. And I was, uh, I was with a friend of mine, and we were on, uh, we was on this bus getting ready to drive up to a site so we can do a decent shooting. And we had just finished, uh, just, I just got the demo. It was fresh. It was just, you know, it was just, it wasn't mixed and wasn't mastered. It was just a rough copy of, of the single. And, and it was saying, this is going to be our first single. So I told my, my friend who I was sitting with, um, uh, Procter and Barnell, PB3. I was, we was, we was hanging out together. He was on the bus. And he told me, he said, look, man, this is going to be you guys' first single. He said, I need you to go ahead and turn on your box and play it. I said, right now? Because I always, you know, I always had a radio with me, but I would take the radio up to the site and plug it up and play it, you know, where we, you know, um, I would play it like once we would get settled. Yeah. And he was like, no, play it now, play it now. And so I hit the play button and, the, you know, those congas in the beginning, they start and everything. And when the beat drops, he, he touches my shoulder and he says, look at the heads. Look at the heads on this bus. There was a bunch of people on the bus that we were riding up to the site to be able to do some filming. And he said, look at all of these heads. And everybody's head was just doing this. <laughs> and he said, you got a hit. You got a hit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was, you know, but as far as taking out as well as it did, you know, never would imagine that it would get to, you know, number two billboard, yeah. or number one R&R, you know. That was that was amazing to us. Yeah, and, and I said going across the world, you know, you know, yeah. as I said, that's that was the first song that we, that I remember when I was in high school, hearing from you guys, and then wow. seeing you guys perform. It, 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 you know, the the rumor we had and was that these, you know, because we all watched Breaking, you know, Turbo oh, yeah. and was big oh, yeah. also in Nigeria, I remember, and so because break dancing and 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 stuff was so big around the world and, and around that 80s and then you guys come out with a track and your and your performance it, it, it just took us by surprise so as I say we grew up with New Edition because we saw them as kids yeah. but we never and we didn't see their performance until their um, 
Heartbreak album. That's when we really sort wow. of did it. That's when we sort of danced. Yeah. But you guys, were, this is how you guys came out as this incredible performance and stuff. How, how you, you know, you said you were on a set of, um, of um, uh, Coming to America. Did you ever think, okay, I can do some acting and singing or was that just a one-off and, and then focus on the music? It, it was just a one-off. I was doing something for um, my, my sister's mother-in-law. Uh, she worked for NAACP. And, and she was like, look, I'll come up and be an extra in this movie coming to America. So, I, you know, I just pretty much, I just did it for her. Okay. Not realizing. But it was, but it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I, the, the great thing about that is that I met Sherry Hadley. I met James Earl Jones. Wow. I met, um, I met, uh, who was it I meet? at that time that was I met John Amos talked to him for a little bit. <laughs> okay. uh, I talked to Vanessa Bell Calloway. Wow. Uh, and and I talked to Arsenio Hall. And this is I'm, 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 this is all before anything that has happened for Troop for Beauty to perform on his show. Yeah. So because this was like 1986, 87, like like 87 because his show had just started, and his first uh, artist on his show that performed was Marlon Jackson. Okay. And and so, for me to be able to meet Arsenio on the set of Coming to America and letting him know about my group, he was just like, okay, okay. And then all of a sudden, there's no other R&B group to perform on his show seven times like that. Wow, seven times. Yeah. Did he remember the conversation he had with you? Oh, when... yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. I mean, no, the, the, I don't think we give him enough. I, th I think artists from the 80s and 90s do recognize his importance to not just black culture, but for black music. Yeah. Given, given, given because MTV wasn't uh, making it possible. And this is prior to right. BT. So, but I, people just forget how influential, how important he was just for, for, for the culture and everything. But then yeah. Marcita drops. What does it, how does much of that change you? And, you know, you, you, are you still going home, still in the neighborhood and everyone's saying, John, what are you doing? You're, are you, oh, mm -hmm. how, what happens? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool, you know, every now and then, you know, we even, like, you know, before COVID had hit and everything, uh, we were doing a lot of shows pretty much, you know. Oh, no, I was, I was going back I was going back to when you were growing, you know, when the Mama yeah. Sita comes out yeah. and, and and back when you're well, at home. Yeah. Well, no, well, well see, now, now you're talking about like when Mama Sita first came out. Yeah. There, there was no home for us. We were working. Okay. We were touring seven days a week. Wow. You have, you know, and, and that's just how it was, you know, for us. We were promoting our first single and we would perform Mama Sweet to My Heart and Still in Love. And we was we were doing performances seven days a week. Wow. And this happened like right after I would say when Mama Sita was released, we were home for a little bit because um, Steve hadn't, hadn't graduated quite yet. 
Okay. So the single comes out in June. Steve uh, graduates in June. So it was the perfect timing for us to be able to go and do what we had to do as far as I get out there and start working and, and promoting single. So we barely saw Steve. Even Steve didn't even have a graduation party. We had a concert. <laughs> we had a concert that night, so he couldn't go out and celebrate his graduation. We wow. had, a, you know, we had a performance that night, and then I would say not even a month later, we were on a sixty city promotional tour. Wow. Yeah. Now, as as 15, 16, 17-year-olds, was it fun or was it, did it feel like lots of work or was this like we're living our dream? What was it like? Can you... no, we, we were, at that time, we were 18 and 19 years of age. So okay. we were out of school. So school yeah. school was over for us. I graduated in 87. Yeah. Steve graduated in 88. So the single comes out in 88. So after that, it just, just it was just us. That's all it was. But did it seem like work or did you feel like you were living our dreams? Did you, how did, how did it, it feel? Was, it was, it was both. I mean, it was both. We, you know, we had a crash course on finding how, how both that it was, that it was, it was work. It was fantasy. It was dream all at the same time. Yeah. And then when you guys came out in 88, so this is, um, what was it like? Who, who, who? Who, who was in this on the charts that you were competing with in a sense for for uh, at that time well every everybody was out on the charts Michael was out still he had that <laughs> uh, you had um, you had Bobby Brown you know, oh, okay. just don't be cool and you had new edition with the heartbreak album um yeah Tony 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 uh, yeah guy a guy at I'll Key be sweat. sure. Yeah, at yeah. Key Sweat. Our first tour after our promotional tour was with Key Sweat. So wow. it was, you know, it was, it was a journey, man. It was a journey. It really was. But everybody who we had looked up to, who we admired, who we liked, was out all at the same time. Gap Band, the whole nine yards. Oh, everybody yeah, was still out yeah. making records. And then in hip hop, you had, you know, you had Run DMC. They were doing their thing still. And you had like. Uh, Big Daddy Kane, uh, Heavy D, yeah, um, um, Kumo D, uh, and then I, I think like somewhere like in '89 and '90, we had Digital Underground, but it was really cool because we actually did a tour with all of those guys who I just met, yeah. And the only R&B act on that tour was ourselves and and Stacy Ladisaw. So Stacy Ladisaw, True, that Digital Underground. Uh, Queen Latifah, uh, Biz Marquis, rest in, rest in peace, Biz Marquis, yeah. uh, Big Daddy Kane, um, Father MC. I mean, it, I mean, it was it was a great tour. It was cool. Now, how did how, how did what was the response for you guys? Because as I said, you know, those of us who know Troop would always think dancers, some music, great music, and dancers. So, how did you guys? How were you guys on stage, and 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 who was helping with the with the routines continuously to 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 keep pushing? Well, mainly troop. We do at least sixty to uh, get get sixty to eighty percent of our own choreography. Wow! And we would probably get with like whether it be Jeffrey Daniels, Jeff, uh, Jeffrey Daniels partner. from Shalomar. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, uh, his partner Casper, they they helped us to to do the music video to my heart. Wow. Um, very later, the guy who did Janet Jackson's control on the words and pleasure principle, he helped wow. us do Mama. He helped us do Mama see the music video. My goodness. Um, but um, we all did it together. Hmm. So it was it was a joint venture, and it was a great venture on working with those. I mean, with those with those people because they when they we, we well we would always have first we would always have a step already done to show them what we had hmm. and the great thing they would always ask us all the time what do you need us for this is a great step like no <laughs> no no we need you guys because you work with michael yeah <laughs> you work with janet so no we gotta have we need those essence with us we need that so it was it was a lot of fun and working with them but we, we pretty much kept everything staged to ourselves and and pretty much handled all the choreography while we did all the touring and everything now, in those early days, because you know you spoke about um, Rodney's mom helping out as yeah. manager in the beginning before turning yeah. things over. Ninety percent of of my guests of, of you know, how I say fall victims, but talk about how they you know you you join in the music industry, music business, but when you're young and you you you, you have so much talent, you're focused on the performing and the recording and promoting and you're trusting that you know you go to a job someone gives you your paycheck how in those early days did you guys think and realize we're in the business music business we need to keep an eye on this or was it you were just so much focused on the touring and performing and and thought that it will handle itself of course in the beginning that's what we thought because that's what we were doing but at the same time, our deals were being paid, so it was nothing that we could like gripe about. You know what I mean? So it was, it was, you know, until things begin to change, like in royalties and publishing and stuff like that. Once we found out about that, then that's when it became, you know, to be different for us. The hard thing. Because, as I said, until last year, I, as a fan, as a, as a, I'm a music fan, and, and most of us, are, we just watched, listened to the music, and we, we didn't, you know, we, we saw the new edition, Biop, Biopsy, we saw the TLC one, um, we, we, but we didn't, you know, we, we just thought these were one-off stuff, and we've heard about Gene Guy and stuff. And what, what always gets us is the fact that young, talented um, singers and songwriters join in an industry and it's as if people are aware of what you what is yours and what is not but they don't seem to tell you and 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 it's almost like don't ask don't tell you know if you don't access we're not mm -hmm. going to tell you and then until you access it's like well it's too late do you think on reflection that People do that deliberately, you know. The people, the managers, and the, the 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 executives, they just say, "We can take advantage here," or is it that um, they want you to learn the hard way? Well, we just 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 when you look back, um, I believe that is deliberately because number one, they know that we're young. Number two, they know that we want to go ahead and do stars. Uh, that's all that they 
believe that we think and care about. But as we get older and we begin to have our own places, that means we're not up on each mom and daddy's work anymore. We have our own. So it, it, it turns on to us being able to go ahead and pay the bills. So that that means, you know, that's the time when it really gets serious. And so that's what pretty much that came about about us. Uh, once, you know, we got on our own, that, you know, it, it became really serious. But yeah, in the beginning, you know, it, it, it's all, that's all it's really about. It's about, you know, having a number one song, having a gold album, having a platinum album, you know, touring and traveling all over the world. You know, the spotlight is on you. Your name is on the marquee, you know. It's pretty much about you, the fans come to see you. And I mean, that, that that's all great. But there, there comes a time when that artist has to go ahead and make up and realize that at the same time, they're a commodity and they're making money for someone else. Yeah. What was it, um, when did, when it, you know, when you think about those, those tours and, and, and things like that, um, when did it sort of hit you that, wow, that, you know, that, that I'm living the dream, you know, we're, we're selling out, we're on a senior hall, um, you know, we, we, you know, we're, 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 we're on the charts, videos everywhere. How are the family? How's your mom? What's she thinking? Does she like, wow, this is great. Yeah, um, because they're seeing things that, you know, that they thought of now coming to pass. Like when I was able to give my mom that gold album, you know, yeah. for my second album. And it was just, it was a joy to her. Or even like when we began to start doing our own like tours and stuff like that. And we would have like our own clothes like our jackets and stuff, like our touring jackets. My mom was able to get a, a touring jacket, you know. that Stuff like that really made her happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. The, um, and, you know, and I, and I do I do remember what, what I was going to say now. You, you're doing the tour, your album, the, the you know, the um, attitude goes gold. It is amazing how um, in the 80s, record labels, um, you know, gold was massive, you know, I think in the 90s yeah. because they spent millions on videos. You needed to go right. platinum before and they wanted quick money. But gold was, was massive to get a gold album and yeah. stuff. Um, you, you, you're working that. What's the direction when you're going back in to start doing, um, you know, were you then all, was Alan doing most of the writing or did you all get involved um, to start writing and and and, and creating the sounds for your, for your follow-up albums? Well, I would say it pretty much started on, you know, on all albums. I mean, Steve and Alan would have at least two or three songs for those, you know, well, two to three songs on the first album. And then I think Steve was able to have about at least like three to five songs on, you know, on the second album, on the Attitude album. Um, so I think the songs that he that did was I'm Not Souped, uh, Another Lover. Um, trying to think what else song that he write on that album. 
let's just say that they, they, they did some writing and, and some producing on mainly started doing some production like on the second album okay did mainly writing on on the first album like i think like because they, they, they steve, steve they did watch me dance and alan and steve they did the song still in love um so basically started early just wanted to make sure that you know someone from the group was definitely gonna that had the talent to be able to write was yeah. gonna we want to make sure that their part was was going to be on that album yeah at, at that time when especially when you come out with um with attitude and new edition are coming yeah. out with um with heartbreak what do you think was the difference between the two albums and how because new edition um seemed to be a lot more uh, they 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 were on the radio a lot more um in some sense well was that that was 88 so at the time it was our first album okay that had mama sita it was our first album and any heartbreak album that was out at the same time when attitude had dropped that's the time when bbd was coming out oh. and then you had yeah you had johnny uh that's when they decided to go ahead to do you know this the solo thing yeah so yeah. the only group that was left for people to look at was was troop at that time so but we really loved hearing that first album that they had, you know, that was produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, it's the Heartbreak album. And that was actually their fifth year in the music industry at that time. Wow. And it was our first year coming in. Yeah. So uh, to, to watch them be able to grow to that peak was really awesome, you know, and, and a test to see what we could do as troops. As, as yeah. far as what New Edition has done and what it's taken to. Yeah. Did, yeah. did When they did break up and do their solo stuff, was that ever something that you guys thought about that, okay, maybe yeah. we can do that and come back? At that time, back in those late 90s? Well, I don't, I don't think so, really. We were really trying to focus. We, we were really tr still trying to make our mark in the music industry. So yeah. we wanted to do... We, we probably... If we if we thought about doing that, it was going to be at a later time because yeah. we wanted to do more troop albums as well, at least like another third or fourth troop album before we decided to go ahead and go solo. And yeah. but you have to you have to look at it this way: uh, that was the only thing that was left for No Edition to do, because you got to look at it this way: from them um, having a Christmas album. Uh, a remake album. Um, I mean, you name it. Uh, Coca-Cola. Uh, what else they do? I mean, they've done so much mm. in the five short year span, you know? So the only thing that was left for them to do was to become solo artists because they had did everything already yeah. as a group. They had did everything. Mm. You know, when you, when you look at it, how them how they performed on shows like you know uh, Solid Gold and and uh, you know all the Soul Train stuff. Uh, I mean these guys, if you think about it, they did it. They did it. So that was the only thing that they could do at that time that they didn't do was to go solo because they did it all already. So it was just I think the timing was perfect because at at the same time. Entering in was our group. 
Yeah, and then did but so at that point in time, you never. There, there, was there any uh, rivalry or com competition between the yeah, two? Those are our, yeah, those are our buddies, man. We've always looked at the new edition as our brothers. Uh, yeah. We're still close uh, to each other. Um, yeah. You know, we still talk every time that we see each other. Um, yeah, really cool guys. Yeah. When we get into, so the 80s were really great and stuff. When we get into the 90s, um, and I know that you guys... Um, Came out with um, and deeper and um, was that uh, a little something something? What 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 changed with the the direction and 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 the commercial success when you get into nineties and and the, the direction of the group? Well, um, the uh, the the Troop Deeper album, uh, we had just finished going through litigation for eighteen months. Wow. So we sat and we did nothing. So if we would have stayed, if we would have just stayed in the studio, you know, doing albums and doing tours and stuff like that, yeah. you guys wouldn't have got a chance to even to see Boys to Men or Jodeci because we were the group to, to be looked at at that time. Mm. But we sat for 18 months, meaning meaning that we opened the door for those guys. Yeah. So if we hadn't have sat, you guys wouldn't have heard of, 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 of you know, of Boys to Men or Silk, or, you know, Drew Hip, you wouldn't hear none of those guys, because we were the guys that everybody was looking at at that time. Um, 89, I mean, I talked to people that actually worked for Bib 10, and they said they couldn't even crack a record on Boys to Men because of what was going on with Troop. So if we were giving Boys to Men a hard time, what do you think we were giving a hard time for everybody else? And Boys to yeah. Men became the biggest out of all of us. Yeah. Wow, that's and that and that's always that's always the same sort of what are those what ifs, you know, why because it's know. all about timing. It's all about timing and it's all about who's doing what at the time. And and like I said earlier, New Edition at the time was going solo. So the only group that people was looking at at that time was true. That yeah. was it. Yeah. And so we slowed down. We we switched management companies to go with uh to busted management, which is MC Hammer's uh you know, his brother, Louis Burrell, which is their company. And so we had to go through litigation before we decided to make that decision to be able to sign contracts with them. So it was, so it was, it was really lengthy and it was crazy. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, on, on anyone, on anyone else. I wouldn't wish that on anyone else. That was, that was the really ordeal that we had to go through to get to where we had, you know, even to where we get to today. I mean, it was a really hard deal. And it, it, it kind of, um, it sat us down and it made the fans look at, you know, look at another artist, and yeah. that's just what happened. Did did, and and one of the things that I've, we've learned through um, these interviews is that the industry, these executives know each other, and yes, they do, and 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 they can put a span on your works if um, if they feel as if you know you've you know promotion radio publicity tv exposure um and especially if you're not going to one of their own did you think after moving to hammer because then you now you're moving within um you know you're, you're almost i don't and i don't know if you know and i'm not going to play the race card stuff but do you think that they there was a, a conservative effort to stunt the progress of troop um absolutely after that? yeah absolutely yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, rest his soul, our, our brother Reggie, he actually said it to us a long time ago. He said, why do we need to go ahead and sign with Busted when they already have a five-man group? Doesn't make sense. They already you, had a group. Who did they have? They had a group called Special Generation. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, it was a thing that had happened where it takes the light off of us and puts the light on to someone else. Hmm. Yeah. Because, because uh, you do wonder. Yeah, yeah. You know, I interviewed Tony Terry, and he talked about when he changed management. You know, they, then yeah. he got blacklisted as a result of that mm -hmm. rift. Um, when I interviewed Nitty, he talked about when they 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 didn't want to agree to the labels demands of sing singing a certain thing they got blacklisted and riff just that was it they didn't let them couldn't get another deal and i think it's quite easy to think that okay we've already got hit records we can do it out by ourselves not realizing that the whole media and the whole industry is controlled to a point where you know we wouldn't have we didn't get to see your videos played on on radio stations or or seeds um, thereafter, and you know, but you did come up. You know, you you still were able to come up with, you know, albums consistently. You know, I'm looking one, two, three, four, about five albums. But what was you? Did you realize that you weren't getting the exposure, and and how did that? Were you then relying on just touring, or what? What sort of changed by midnight, by late nineties? Um. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, you know. We opened the door for Boys to Men, so Jodeci. And it was like so much had already had aspired during that 18 month of us not doing anything. And then and and, and then I also want to speak on that that what you said about being blacklisted. It's it's real. It, it it's real. It happens. It happens to the best of us. You know, it is what it is. Um and I'm just going to leave it right there because, uh, you know, we're still together. We're still doing performances. We're still, you know, we're still doing shows. Uh, not, a, you know, not, we just finished doing a show in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, with Big and Bob. That's all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's our, that's our partner um, and, and Danny Boy. And it was a great show, a great turnout. And the fans loved it. So in our, our next show is August the 13th. In Sacramento at the Guild Theater, um, and September 25th, uh, Dayton, Ohio, with Carl Thomas and Dave Hollister. So it's it's like the work is still coming in, and pretty much that's all, you know that that's all that really matters to us. Yeah. We want to work. We want to be in front of our fans and give them the memories that they used to have, yeah. and just you know let let them have a good time at the end of the day it's really not about us it's about them yeah and 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 i think that's that's the one thing that we're, we are seeing that the fans are the ones who if we put up a, a poll and says who you know do you remember these songs from the 80s everyone starts remembering about where they were yeah. when they listened would listen to the song so you can see how these songs it's it's always about them i guess it, the question then becomes when you guys um after your final album do you guys disperse uh, and 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 uh, you know because I know you now you're back, um, and and you know you know it's very sad the passing of Reggie last year, but at mm -hmm. least the four of you are back. But 
did you guys go your separate ways after you know after the late nineties and 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 start to work on individual stuff, or were you always back as troop touring, but we probably wouldn't have seen you on TV. Well, we were always on the phone with each other. Um, you know, Steve was Steve was writing and producing. We started writing and producing for a lot of you know a lot of people that we hear even today. You know, like the Omarions and B2Ks. Wow. Uh, got uh, Steve did Gas to Be for B2K and Why I Love You, and wow. he did Invincible for um, Fantasia. Uh, wow. um, Can't Live Without You for Charlie Wilson. Um, Homeless for Charlie Wilson. Um, so he's been keeping that sound out there, and letting you know people not even realizing that. That's a troop sound, you know, so yeah. it's pretty cool. So he, he was out there doing that a lot. I um, worked with a lot of people, a whole lot of people. I just named a couple of them, but he named them. But he worked with a lot of people. And so he kind of basically kept that sound out there for us. And um, But we always was on the phone with each other talking. We knew that at just at that time, we, we couldn't do anything because of, we didn't have like people in, you know, that was, we didn't have management anymore. And we didn't have anyone in our ears to help us to pull us back together to at least do concerts and stuff like we're doing now. Um, we have that now, but we didn't have that like during like say like ninety five, ninety six, uh, yeah, like ninety five, ninety six. We didn't have any of that, so um, we basically regrouped for ninety seven to do the Mayday album in ninety eight because a friend of ours, Derek Trailer, he put us together and said, hey. I got a situation on the table for you guys. So you go ahead and think about this. And that's how Mayday was born. And so we put Mayday out up on the Action Entertainment slash Koch International. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so we kind of slowed down again after that. And Steve got back into writing and producing and stuff like that for artists. And he, then he would, he would go ahead and give us a call and say, hey, I think this song fits us really well. And he would call about, about a song that he wanted to play for us. And we'd go into the studio and cut it. And then it, it ended up, you know, getting us back together, getting us jarred again, getting, getting us excited again about, you know, doing more concerts. And then um, a couple of friends had ran into us that one's been working for Interscope Records, Ian Fletcher, another friend of ours that actually helped us choreograph uh, Spread My Wings with Tony Basil, Doc Clark. They got us back together in 2004, I believe, and pretty much we've been together ever since. Okay, okay, yeah. and um, because you know, because I think generations pass, and oh, in, yeah. in the 2000s there was a big 90s revival, and 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 stuff. But because you guys were big towards the late 90s and early uh, late 80s and early 90s. I, you were able to catch on to the to 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 to, to, to those tours, those nineties tours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. um, but then what about yourself when it came to going solo and not well going solo, but because I know you started to release your own music. How did you? What was your thinking about what you wanted to do as a you know, independently? Um, one of the guys, Alan, he spoke to me about it. He was like, hey, man, you know, right now, Troop is just doing dates. We're not doing any records or nothing like that. He was like, you need to think about 
you think about yourself and doing some solo material. And another friend of mine, um, Derek Bradford, um, uh, Derek and, and Alan, they both talked to me about, you know, doing some, some solo stuff. So they, they, they were the ones who kind of like put that in my ear. Mm. And that, that's basically how it, you know, started. That's how it came about. And so, because um, when, you, when you started to do your solo stuff, what, what were you thinking um, because I know it's changed, you know, you, you know, back in the day you needed a label and, and, and it yeah. gets on the airplane stuff, but things have changed where you can go digital and stuff. But did you have a sort of a vision as to what, how you wanted your song out there and how you, what your expectations were? Oh, of course, every artist who's, you know, who's independent, um, of course they want their stuff to be played on the mainstream. Um, radio and, and, and want to be out there with everybody else, you know, major, major wise. Uh, I, my thing was, I was, I just wanted to just make sure that the music that I was going to go ahead and portray to put out that it like it still flows with how truth was as far as like having good music, good lyrical content. And I just want to keep that going for myself as a solo artist. And that's all, that's all that, that was the main thing that I focused on, just making sure that every song that I recorded, that was, it was just going to be a great record, regardless. With, you know, it's kind of hard because, you know, you have a lot of people who are in your ear and they want you to, you know, they want you to record something for them or whatever. And it might not be fitting to where you're at. So it's like, you know, it's kind of hard. But at the same time, you know what you have to do. So that's the only thing that I was, you know, really focusing on, just making sure that every song that I was going to be a part of or wrote or didn't write, I just wanted to make sure that it was great. I mean, uh, Quincy Jones said it best. He said, um, how do you expect others to have these thoughts on your material when you don't get it? Mm. So I, I just wanted to go ahead and maintain and just keep that same terminology and just make sure that even the material that I'm doing is just as good as and so I, what are your plans when it comes to your own career, solo career? Um, I, yeah, I still, you know, plan for something to happen for me. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to continue to just keep doing what I, what I do, just keeping the buzz going until, you know, it actually happens for me where I'm, 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 you know, I'm at a major situation again. So I'm just so, going to keep on moving forward towards that. So you're gonna still keep um, put out yeah. solo music and stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and so when what's when what's your what's your the next the next thing that we can look out for? My my latest release now is called Cover Girl, um, and I just finished doing a remix with a female group uh, called X Five Girls. Um, look really nice. They're young. They dance really good. And they sing really nice. Um, but we just finished doing a remix to Cover Girl, and we added a rapper, uh, um, added um, a violinist, and, and added a saxophone player for like a, a jazz version of it. So wow. it's going to be pretty nice. Yeah, it's going to be really nice. When should we expect that? That, as a matter of fact, I'm doing, uh, supposed to be having a, a a red carpet party about that single. August the no September the eleventh. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll look out for that so we can, well, we can we can push push that out. It's true. I know you. You know, it really was good to start to see. I see snippets from yourself and uh, and Steve and even Bob mm -hmm. 
from some of your, the current tours you're going on, sort of the white tours and stuff. Are, yeah. are, are you guys expected to come out with new music as well, or is it just more, more so just the show dates? You know, we, we, we just put together a CD that we call Baby Making Music. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a ballad with like, I mean, it, it's a CD with just, you know, I think a good 10, 11 uh, ballads on it, all ballads and some, you know, some really nice ones, really nice ones. A couple of new songs on that uh, as well. Okay, so these are, are these going to be original troop songs or you, you just you yeah. didn't cover well, There'll be covers, and I believe there'll be a couple of new. Okay, okay. The um, and so, <clears throat> any idea when we can expect that? That really soon. <laughs> uh, really soon. Uh, Steve was saying at least within about the next within the next couple of weeks. Okay, so at mm -hmm. least before Christmas, it's not going to be. A yeah. Okay. Yeah. We can't end without talking about Reggie because you know when you have yeah. when you guys have been together for such a long time and, and you have a, one of one of one of you passing, how has that been as a group? You know um, to to continue um, without without your your, 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 your your brother in in around. Well, we know that he's not here with us in flesh, yeah. but he is definitely with us in spirit. I've had at least two or three dreams about Reggie. Wow. So he's, he's actually letting me know that he's there and he's actually performing with us. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, it's heartfelt. Um, and now all of our shows are, are, you know, they're dedicated to him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but vocally, how does it change? Because as a, you know, for, for, for us who are fans, we, we wouldn't understand the difference between no, I want. I don't want to insult anybody, but I would don't don't wouldn't know the difference between a five-piece vocal group and and maybe four. Um, now that Reddy's not there, how does it affect your performances? It 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 affects us where there's parts that he comes out on stage, like when he says his name or he has a, a speaking part that he does live on all I do is speak to you. Um, so it kind of like that, that part of it changes. And that's the big thing of it because that's one of our biggest songs. Mm -hmm. So for him not to be able to come out and, and I'm missing my, you know, my click leg partner because he's the guy who I took legs with. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. So yeah, uh, so yeah, it's, it's man. Yeah, wow, this is, and we just had our first performance without him. You know, our first like real performance, um, knowing that he's really not here with us now. Wow. So it's kind of like it's pretty deep. Yeah. So we just, you know, we're always just asking the fans to just just hold us up in prayer, keep on praying for us. Yeah, yeah, no, that no, definitely, and I hope we, yeah, we yeah. All, we we all sad by that. It was last year was a tough year for a lot of us. We lost a lot of yeah. loved ones, and and we can see it, it hit a lot of people. Um, New Jack City. You know, you know, wow. probably a, a cult favorite, and you guys, as long um, alongside Guy, were actually in the movie. What was it like? Did you and what, did you know the impact it was going to have? And here you guys singing wow. for the love of money, <laughs> living for the Not city. Not at all. Not at all. We didn't know that it was going to 
be that big of an impact. But then when you look, when you think about it, it's, it's like the black Scarface. Yeah. So yeah. why why not would it be that big? You know what I mean? But it was uh it was you know even trying to put together that track at first, it was really hard because what they showed us first, we were hanging out with Mario Van Peoples and he and he played us the version and showed us the video footage of what Levert had did first. And it was like, why did you even show us that? You know how long it's going to take for us to come up with what we got to come up with now after seeing that? You know, mm. It was incredible. So it took us a little minute to come up with what we came up with. Uh, but we finally came up with something and it actually fitted for, you know, the actual movie and, and for the track itself. Do you guys still perform the track in, in, your, in your tour concerts? Sometimes. Sometimes we'll just start singing. <laughs> just start singing a song. Yeah. yeah. What Of all the songs you've come out with, what do you think the fans love to hear the most? It would have to be spread my wings, all of these things. I mean, when I saw that the performance you did on Arsenio, um, yeah, you, you you do the amazing dance routine, and then but what always gets me is when you guys all huddle together and you're sharing the mics and singing, and it that's when I realized that you guys weren't just put together; that you guys were that 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 separates you from a lot of other groups who who, you know, who perform, they come together. But I, I look at it and I still, and I still watch that and I see, and I say, wow, wow. that's, that's, a, that's, that's brothers. Did we, yeah. and, and it seems, as if, and, I, and I think I wanted to, and I know the question I was trying to ask all that time and I forgot is, in the midst of the success, that 18 months of litigation and stuff, what kept you guys as a, as together? What held you guys together? I would have to say, like, the love of our parents and our fans. Um, they just, you know, they went to battle for us, you know. And that part that you're talking about when us coming together singing, like, and we, like we're singing on one microphone. Yeah. Um, that was from Spreading My Wings. That was from the Arsenio Hall performance. Yeah. And we're just, like you said, we're just finishing all that dance. We got up off the ground, and then we come together. That was actually a move that was taken from the Jacksons when they did I Know He Better Be Good To You on Motown 25. Oh. They did that same exact move. And so, you know, and, and Steve being a really big Jackson fan, he was like, we should, we should take that move from the Jacksons. So we did it. Yeah, out. but it, it didn't seem like it didn't seem it didn't seem like it was planned. It just it just looked like, wow, you know, because it's almost like, yeah, and here's my brothers and we're just singing, and, and, and it's very moving, you know, it's a very yeah. moving, moving scene, and, and I think that's what, you know, really separated you guys, um, that you were, you could dance, but you could sing, but you seemed to be a collective. Um, yeah. 40, 30, 40 years later, do you guys still do any of those routines in your shows? Your fans are going to yeah. come out. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's funny. Um in South Bend, Indiana, I mean, you know, because when Mama Sita first comes on, you know, we break out with the running man. That's <laughs> called the running man. So, yeah, we did all of those moves. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, 
it, it was it was something to see and and the response from the people were like they couldn't believe that even at the age that we are that we're at now we can still do those moves so wow. it was it was pretty cool it was pretty cool and here i'm saying well michael jackson who we're all massive fans of yeah. in his 50s he's still he's still able yeah. to, to do all this yeah. stuff so we, we cannot forget that he could still do all this stuff but Absolutely. so it, yeah so you're still able to wow it's, and, and it's you know it, it's the music that actually channels the artist to do what that artist does when that you know first of all when the name of the person is being spoken about before they come out on stage that's the beginning of something like the butterflies and then when that music starts and the fans get behind that music whatever that uh choreographed movie that, that happens when the fans are into it that's just what pushes the artist that much more yeah wow that's really mm -hmm. i mean we, i'm looking forward to hopefully one of these days you can come to the uk and, and stuff that would be great <laughs> that would be that great, would be great. Like we, we, yeah. we, Key Sweat actually took us to the UK a long time ago on our, on our first album, actually on his first album as well too, on his Make It Last Forever album. We had we had did a, a tour with him and then he was about to go up, to, I think to London, Wales, to England. And he tells uh, Sylvia Rome, uh, the one that actually oh, signed us to the band. Yeah. And, he, he, and he, he tells her, hey, I want to take Troop with me. And oh, yeah. It, and we just happened to go with him to England. It was, it was yeah, cool. you're both you're both signed to Warner Brothers, you know, Electra and yeah. Atlantic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The um the the, the 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 you guys went on tour recently with Big Bub. What what was it like? Because um, you know, how was that sort of? How did you guys play the crowds? Just because I, you know, Bub's a big personality and stuff. He's our buddy. He's he he actually set the show up for us. You know. He called the promoter and said, hey, man, I want this group to come and be wow. on this show. He he, uh, he actually, you know, he let us headline the show the whole nine yards. Wow. On the song, All I Do Is Think of You, we brought him up and to, uh, to do some of the moves with us on stage. It was really cool. <laughs> it was really cool. It was really cool. You yeah. know, that, and that's, uh, I think, a lot of people who I know who know Bob talk about how much of his, you know, he... He's a he's a big character, but he's he he he, yeah. he gives a love love and stuff. Big heart, uh, big heart, a yeah. big heart. And and I guess mm -hmm. you know I think a lot of people are going to be looking forward to seeing you guys. I I always end my interviews by asking my guests that if you were stuck on an elevator and you were asked, they said, look, it's going to take a couple of hours before we get you out. What movie would you want to watch while they they while you're there? Um, you said a couple of hours. Yeah. You know, I wish I, I, it, I wish we was on the elevator with Big Bug. We'd look at House Party. So his <laughs> song comes on that he did with today. Uh, uh, Why you get funky, you get on, funky me? on me? And yeah, and, uh, and and New Jack City. Okay, okay. So, I mean, but, I mean, but also song wise though, what what's, what what songs would you normally like if you if you did get stuck and they said, look, we'll put a we'll, before your the movie comes out, we'll play a song for you. What song would you would you always think about? Like my 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 go to track that I'd love to listen to. All I do is think of you. Okay. All I do is think of you. That was a song that actually it was my idea for us to do that song. 
That was my idea. Wow. I always thought that it was a great record. And I thought that Steve sounded a lot like Mike. So I told him, I said, man, we need to take this song to Sylvia and tell her that we need to redo this record. If we redo this record, knowing how I know how what you're going to do to it when you put your vocals on it, hmm. I said, it's going to go through the roof. I said, Cause I know you're going to do it like Mike. So <laughs> I said, it's going to be life-changing for us. The song is actually life-changing for us as well, too. It's life-changing. Wow. What is your favorite Michael Jackson song? Um, he has too many. Yeah, you put your favorite. If you had to pick, I, a- I, I, if I, I can't, I can't pick my favorite Michael Jackson song. I can't pick my favorite Luther Vandross song. I can't pick my favorite Earth, Wind, and Fire song. I can't pick my favorite uh, Stevie Wonder song. I mean, it's just, it's, it's too many. It's <laughs> too many. It's like. Every every song has a different type of celebration about yeah. it. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's just it's just great good listening music, man, that just never dies. I mean, that's the type of music to where you can be feeling you can be feeling uh, a certain kind of way. When you're into the middle of that song, hmm. everything is different. Yeah. You don't even feel the same way. True story. I was upset at a person one day, one day, and I want to tell this person about themselves. And one of my favorite songs by the Jackson came on. Let me show you the way to go. Yeah, man. Yeah. When I tell you how it changed, that's just <laughs> that's just what music does. Yeah, you know, music does that. So yeah. um, it's it's hard to pick a favorite song. Um, it just it's, it really is for me. It's hard to pick a favorite song. But I will say this though. I have like this iPod player that has a lot of songs in it, a lot of songs. And if you're not in it, <laughs> you must have captured my heart the way everybody else did. It is what it is. This was it. So, yeah. Well, my all-time favorite song is "Lady." You know, when you said Steve sang "Lady My Life" over the phone, yeah. that's my all-time favorite song. Not just nice Michael Jackson song, but just song yeah. in general. Um, because it's the kind of song that I don't think he did again until he did Butterfly in on an Invincible album. That's the type of when he sang Butterfly, and um, and I, yeah. I was I was living in L.A. and Steve Harvey was on um, he was on 103 The Beat. Uh, well, yeah, 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 that time, yeah, yeah back yeah, in the, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So this yeah. was back in '99, 2000 when I was living in L.A. Right. and he there was the only station. That he kept playing it, and he even got Michael on 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 the show, and he was talking about it, and he kept playing Butterfly. Um, I bought the album, of course, but it, it was Lady in My Life Part Two. Um, you know, mm. it, it was the side of Michael that we we you, you, people didn't get to see, and I think we got caught up with the bad and the, and all that stuff, and we forget that he could actually lay down the vocals and show a tenderness and an emotional side. Did you guys ever get to meet? him or any of the Jacksons? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, man, let's just say the stories of, of, of meeting the Jacksons and pretty much them adopted me, adopted me to be in their family. Wow. Great, great people, man. Great, great people. Um, uh, 
it took a while for me to be able to meet the last one that I needed to meet at that time, which was Marlon. And I didn't meet Marlon until 2012, but I wow. met everybody else except for him. Even Janet? And, and... Yeah, Janet, Victoria, Reby. Um, yeah. Even Michael? I met, my, met Michael in 89. Wow. And I, I met Michael at the time when our first single from the second album had been released, I'm Not Soup, um, which is a song that Steve wrote and our, our boy Zach Harmon had produced. Uh, I'm Not Soup was the single that was out. And it was at the same time that uh, Gardner Elementary School was putting his name on the outside of the auditorium. So um, I rolled up there I'm just trying to catch a glimpse of the guy, you know, it's just to see him, you know. And um, I, I get over by the school where this school has like a really big tall gate, you know, chain link lock, chain link lock around it and everything with the security guard on the outside. Wasn't letting anybody in. And I see this other guy, actually uh, rest in peace to, to him as well too, Cliff Winston. Uh, he's, he was also a radio disc jockey over at 102.3 KJLH. That's Stevie Wonder's radio station in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, uh, he's asking me, Cliff's asking me, John, you think you can get me in with you, man? And I said, man, I'm out here just like you, <laughs> trying to catch a glimpse of this man, you know. And so not, not, not long when I said that, a black, a long black limousine pulled up and the window rolled down. And it was Jabari Abdul Samad. Jabari is the uh, the father of the, the guys, the boys. He's their oh, father. Oh, okay. So he tells the security guard, he said, hey, man, that's my other son. Let him in. So the boys were already inside. So the security guard, you know, let me in with, with Jabari. We walked in, said, yeah, your brothers are already inside. Uh, you know, they have to sing We Are the World with a whole bunch of you know, the kids. And so um, I walk inside of the auditorium. And I'm standing about like maybe I'm, I'm in this aisleway where it's about maybe five rows up. And Michael's about eight or nine rows down. And I, I'm just I'm, I'm just like in awe because I'm in the same room <laughs> as, you know, with Michael Jackson. It's like, who, who does this? You know, you know. And so he's talking with his assistant, his assistant looks at him and Michael looks over at me he looks back at his assistant they, he whispered to, to him about something he looks back at me and he whispers again over to his assistant and he turns he just started walking towards me how are you what are Michael, you thinking I'm, I'm stuck like <laughs> should I move what's going on is security going to come and try to you know get me or whatever well, what am I supposed to do right now so I'm just stuck there standing there in this alleyway while Michael Jackson's walking towards me <laughs> and he's wearing his red and black shirt and okay. his and some black pants I think from you know it's from his bad era you know when wearing one of those outfits and so he looks at me he's wearing these uh these Ray-Ban glasses, and but not the aviators. He's wearing the kind of goes straight across with the little silver, you know, things on the, on the, on the side. And he pulls his glasses down. And he says, "John, John, 
the truth is amazing. <sighs> that you guys are bad. He said, my family looks at you guys, we do videos all the time. We love you guys. <laughs> what? Mind blowing. Mind blowing. Did yeah. you get to say anything or you just there's well, yeah, well, I, I did, did tell him that it's because of you guys and what you guys do and what, what you was always doing with your brothers. I said, you guys was always singing, you know, dancing really hard and still coming back to the microphone and still singing with the vocals and everything. So then we got that from y'all. And he was like, well, he was like, hey, it definitely shows. And so, yeah. Wow. I, you know, I, I think a lot of people just don't, I think... I won't go into the conspiracy theories and stuff, but I don't think people understand what he meant, not just for black music, but just music in general. Um, how you know how much of advance he was. He owned half of Sony Music and, and stuff. He yeah. Was, he was not just an amazing performer, songwriter, singer. He was probably one of the biggest, best businessmen. Um, and it's you know, but you know, in in from that eighty from eighty from mid eighties. Up to ninety, knowing no one could touch him. I mean, he was. Yeah. He was, yeah. That that must have been just an an awesome experience. I mean, when when you told Steve and the rest, what what what, what, did, what did they believe it? Did they believe mm. that he uh, actually knows you guys? It, oh yeah. Well, I I got I got a picture with him, and we were doing some traveling, and so I brought the picture with me, and. I go into Steve's room where he's in the mirror doing something with his hair or whatever. And uh, so I come in his room and I see the picture right next to him. <laughs> he says, oh, oh, I can't believe you standing next to it. It was crazy. It was crazy. Did you ever make crazy. that picture public? Uh, I have one of them that's out there that's public. Okay. And I, I got other pictures out there with me and the rest of the family. They're out wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know what? It's, it's, been, it's been great. It's been fascinating. You know, um, as I said, most when Troop came out, I, I was in Nigeria from, from mid-80s to about 91 before I moved to the States. Um, but as I said, it, you, you guys were just always the, the, the constant performers, you know, people that made dancing and singing and you know took it to another level and it's really good to see as i said i was really really impressed when i saw little clips of both yourself and steve put out about you guys now together and performing and i think there's a there's a there's a hunger for for people my generation for for our favorite 90s and 80s groups to, to come back out because we're not getting that kind of stuff now you know when you think look right. at the charts it is very much dominated by trap music. I'm not even going to say hip hop. It's going to be trap music, and very similar R&B songs that all sound the same. No difference, no distinction. So there's, we're turned off with that, and we're we're looking back to the people who really gave us those good memories. So it's really good to see that you guys are back. Um, we we'll look forward to hearing some new music, um, so that we can reconnect with with R&B. That's you know. Um, <clears throat> It may not sell the same way albums were selling back in those days, but in a sense, it connects us and gives us the hunger to come see you guys, and and, um, and but then look for ways of of getting your music as well. 
Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.